How are you guys feeling? Did you guys enjoy the little hangout time we had before service? You know we did a message on, we did a series on community in December, and we're trying to actually live that out. We want to actually be connected with each other. We want to actually be a community, not just come in here and consume everything just for ourselves and watch this like a movie, but we actually want to be connecting with each other. That was the whole heart of that series. Do you guys, are y'all down for that? Are y'all down for actually being friends maybe? Be real. How many of you guys have three friends at church? Raise your, there we go. A lot of you guys made noise, but a lot of you guys didn't. So that goes to show just the need. We all need friends. We all need connections. And we need people around us who are going the same direction that we're going. We need people around us who can actually push us where we're trying to go. So the reason we're doing this is so that we can help facilitate that for you and so that we can be that for each other. Are you guys enjoying the new year so far? Is it going well? How many of you guys made New Year's resolutions? Mm. <laughs> Man, that is just a, a jaded response. Like, I did that for the past 17 years. Didn't work out. How many of you guys that made resolutions, they're still going? Are you guys still going strong? Okay. How many, <laughs> how many of you guys made resolutions and you already fell off? All right, y'all don't want to admit. Y'all don't want to admit. That's okay. It happens to the best of us. What I would say to you guys is it's okay. You might have set a goal like I'm going to do this every single day for 2019, and then you fell off one day and you feel like it's over. But you can always get back up, always keep going. I like to, I don't really like to do resolutions. I just like to evaluate what my life is looking like kind of at the end of the year, evaluate what the season I'm looking, what the season I'm in is looking like, and then just kind of figure out, all right, what do I need to adjust in my life to optimize what I'm doing in this season, to be the most effective, the most efficient? And for me, this time, there's two major things going on in my life. One, obviously, I just became the pastor of Fusion a few months ago, which is awesome. But two, another major thing going on in my life is I got engaged right before that. And yeah, we actually have a picture of us. That was us on New Year's Eve. Her name is Gabrielle. She's amazing. She lives in Arizona, though, so that's why you guys don't see her here at service. Unfortunately, every time she comes in town is like a time that fusion is not going on. It feels like a conspiracy. But... She will be here in March, so you guys will actually be able to meet her. Some people were able to meet her just at church on Sundays. Uh, I actually have some of my family here, my brother and my sister. A lot of people think that my sister is my fiance sometimes. Please don't make that mistake. That's awkward. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I, with 2019 happening, with this new season that I'm in, I've just been trying to make adjustments to these big things in my life. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the most important thing to me is keeping my fire for God lit. Do you guys, do you guys feel me on that? Because that, that just trumps everything else. I've, 
I feel like that helps to take care of everything. If I have the fire of God in my life continually burning, I can do this well. If I have the fire of God in my life continually burning, I can be a good fiance, future husband, all that stuff to my fiance, future wife. Um, But if I don't, then everything else just kind of crumbles. And this series, Firestarter, it's been stirring in my heart, in my spirit for months. God has been putting this term fire just in my spirit. I've been not even exactly knowing why, but even with our leaders, um, the meetings that I've been having with them, I've been talking about the word fire, an an acronym, something that we want to implement in terms of the atmosphere at Fusion and just what we're actually bringing to connect with people. And the acronym was friendly, intentional, relational, and energetic. That's how we want to be. And it's this acronym that God gave me, FIRE. And we just want to spark something. We want the atmosphere, atmosphere here to be on fire. Do you guys, you guys feel that a little bit tonight? You guys feel a little shift in the energy? I feel like it's happening because God is faithful to do it. But another piece of that um, is just my awareness of what's going on in the outside world. God's been just kind of bringing this up to me to shift my perspective a little bit on what we're doing here, on what I'm called to do, on what we're called to do as Christians, period. Uh, And just the awareness of the culture that we live in and a lot of other cultures that are out here where it's not as easy to be a Christian. And I've been confronted with this just in research and reading books. I keep running into it. I keep hearing about the underground church in China. And I keep hearing about all this persecution that people are going through. There are areas in the world where it's not just not cool to be a Christian. It's not just not cool to come to church. There are areas in the world where it is a death sentence to profess faith in Jesus Christ. And people profess that faith with the, aware, with the full awareness that this may cost them their physical livelihood. This makes people get their tongues cut out of their mouths. I know that that's morbid, but it's a reality that people are willing to face in these areas where it's completely not tolerated. And so I've been having to wrestle with this question, how would I have felt, what, would I, what thoughts would have gone through my mind when accepting this position if that were my reality and it wasn't, we were just going to come in here and turn up and have fun. How would I feel if I knew that accepting this position was a death sentence because I'm the, I'm the face? And then how would attendance in here look if that was the reality? If people were coming here with the awareness that there could be people outside or it could get raided at any time and this is actually a crime. What would that, what would things look like? And what would make people actually want to be at a place where they might have to lay down their lives? What would be worthy of pursuing that people would lay down their lives in the pursuit of it? And I think the answer to that question is not so much of a what, but a who. It's not a who. I mean, it's not a what. It's a who. It's a who, God, the God who created us, the God who loves us, he is the reason that these people are willing to lay down their lives just to have a relationship with him. And this series, it's called Firestarter, 
In Deuteronomy 4, God describes himself and he says, the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He's not just some angelic being floating around in the sky, a consuming fire. He's capable of giving you the power, the boldness, the courage to stand in the face of death gladly. Where people are, man, I just heard, I was actually at a conference just last week, and uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Christine Kane, but she's awesome. And she was preaching, and she was talking about how uh, some, the, some people in the underground church in China, they invited her over there. They wanted her to help them with some leadership development. They're like, Christine, we don't know how to train our leaders. And, you know, she's like, all right, well, what do you want me to do? They're like, well, we don't know. The only thing that we know how to train people to do is how to, how to uh, preach the gospel to their executioner on their way to death. And she's like, what do you need me for? You, you guys are training people to, to prophesy, to proselytize, to explain the gospel, and to try to convert the executioner so that they'll see life on the way to your death? That's crazy. We don't face stuff like that here in America. But I do believe that God wants us to be a generation that's on fire. We have every resource available to us here. We have every freedom available to us here. What does God want us to do? What does he want this to look like? What type of passion does he wanna see here? What does he want your life to look like when you have freedom to worship him, freedom to choose? What is that supposed to look like in your life? Well, I would present to you tonight that he is the fire starter, that he is the fire and God wants to start a fire in you that will light a fire in others. Very simple. That is the main point of this whole series. God wants to start a fire in you that will light a fire in others. So what does this look like for us? I'll tell you what this looks like in my own life. Um, I was not always planning by any means to be a pastor. I wasn't planning to be a preacher. I had these seasons of my life where I'd be studying the word and I'd be having this hunger awakening, awakening in me and I'd have this desire to teach it, but I didn't know what that would look like. And a lot of times that season didn't last long enough for it to really turn into anything. So I would kind of get on fire in high school and then I would fall off. And then in college, I started out on fire and then I just fell off for the rest of my college career. I started pursuing a career in music and I was just doing that, just out here. And my goals were to be rich, to pursue success, to be significant, famous, like a lot of people. Um, and then in 2013, a lot in my life changed. A lot of my life shifted where some things were just going downhill and God got my attention. And since then, it's been a complete shift. The vision for my life completely changed, but I couldn't have done that on my own. And it brings me to the first point of the night, which is God starts the fire. 
A lot of times we are trying to come up with a vision for our lives. A lot of times we're trying to do things in our own strength, in our own power, and we don't realize that it's just God. God created us with a purpose. None of you are here by accident. None of you are here tonight by accident, and none of you were created by accident. There is a God who loves you, who's with you, who's by your side through everything that you're dealing with, through everything that you're going through, and it's undoubtable. There's no doubt in my mind that he wants to start a fire in you. And I believe there are three steps that I can kind of sum it up in, in what that looks like. Step one to how God starts a fire in you. One, you need to encounter God. That's the first step. You need to meet him. How does that happen? I want us to look at a story in the Bible And I would encourage you guys to really, really, really read your Bible. I say this just about every message because it's so necessary. How many of you guys made a resolution that you want to actually read your Bible more this year? How many of you guys have been reading your Bible more this year? How many of you guys are seeing good results from that? Make some noise if you're seeing some good results from that. That's worth making some noise. The Bible, the word of God is alive and it's transforming. It's spoken by God. It's spirit. It's life. Jesus said the words that I speak to you, they're spirit and they're life. Reading the word of God will bring life to you. It will awaken you. So in the Bible, I was actually uh, studying just this past week for the message and I felt like God led me to this through a crazy experience that I'll tell you guys another time. But Genesis 28, this is about Jacob. And in this, Jacob is in this season in his life where it's crazy. He, I can't go into the whole story, but Jacob steals the birthright from his brother. The firstborn son is supposed to get the inheritance, the birthright and the blessing from his father. Jacob is the younger brother and steals it from his brother. How he does that, you'll just have to read it. But his brother was so mad at this that he wanted to actually kill him. And so Jacob's parents, Isaac and Rebekah, they send him away uh, for two reasons. One is they don't want Esau to kill him. Two, they want him to find a wife that's not from the people around them. They wanted him to find a wife where he can actually preserve the bloodline uh, and marry. It's a little weird. He actually needed to marry within the family. I'm glad that I wasn't in that time. I appreciate what God did and what he was doing and the, you know, the bloodline of Abraham and all that stuff and preserving it. I love it. I'm glad that I didn't have to be a part of that. Um, but so Jacob is leaving there. He's on his way. They tell him to go to Rebecca's brother, uh, where Rebecca's brother lives, his mother's brother, and to find a wife from among his children. So Jacob is just leaving. He's going out into unfamiliar territory. He's probably a little fearful. He's going out by himself into unfamiliar territory to go find a wife who he doesn't even know. He doesn't even know what she's about to look like. He doesn't know what the options are, you know? It's like, go find a wife from among these people. It's like, okay, but I haven't seen those people. Um, And that's my only group. All right. So he's on his way there, unfamiliar territory. And this is ancient Middle East, just traveling. 
A lot crazier than if we jump on a train or a bus or an Uber or a plane. Like, it's not the same type of travel. So he's just out here. And he's traveling. And it says, Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba, whatever that is, and traveled toward Haran, where he was supposed to be going. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and to the east, to the north, to the south. This is getting crazy. This is, he just laid down in the middle of where he was going and things got crazy real quick. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. I would say that this is a picture of what God wants to do in a lot of your lives. You're going about your day. You may be moving and transitioning as a result of circumstances and the God that created you wants to interrupt your story wants to interject and insert himself in your life and introduce you to who he is. He wants to reveal himself to you and the plan that he has for you. Jacob was just trying to go get a wife and not get killed. God shows up, reveals who he is, that he's the God of all of the universe. I'm showing up to you in this dream as your God, and this is what I'm about to do through you. I'm about to do something bigger than you could ever even Imagine. Then Jacob woke up from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. I think that's a lot of us. The Lord is in this place. And a lot of us are not even aware of it. We're not even able to recognize him. The Lord is at your job and you're not even aware of it. The Lord is at your school and you're not even aware of it. It's not that God just showed up where Jacob was. God's everywhere. God was already there. God had been orchestrating this. And at the right time, he says, I'm here. I've been here. I'm revealing myself to you. I believe that tonight God is doing that for somebody. Something stirring in your heart. And the God that created you, the God who loves you, the God who is your father, the God who has a plan and a purpose for you is revealing himself to you in a way that you can't explain, in a way that you never thought was possible, he 
wants to insert himself into your story, into your life, reveal himself to you and reveal his purpose to you. We have to be in his presence in order to encounter him, but the good thing is he's already here. And he wants to start a fire in you. This is how God starts a fire in you. First, you have to encounter him. Step two, you need to engage with God. He's already here. He's already where you are. He knows about everything that you have going on. But how often do you engage with him? Or do you think he's at church? Are you at the crib and you feel like, oh, it's just me doing my thing. I'm going to go to church later. That's where God is. I'm going to go hang out with God for a little while, come back to the crib. (laughs) God is with you wherever you are. And he knows all things. He's omnipresent. He's all-powerful. He's a lot bigger than a lot of us give him credit for. He's there. He's here. He's not just there. He's here. But do we engage with him? When you're here, the reason that when we're worshiping and singing to God, that's a way that we engage with God. The reason we lift our hands, that's the way we engage with God. We invite him into what we have going on. We invite him into our hearts. We engage with him. God wants to experience you. Something that I heard that was very profound was that God knows you, he knows all about you, but it's your choice whether he ever gets to experience you. Does God get to experience you or are you just going through your life not engaging with him at all? Because he created you, he can watch your whole life, but can he experience it? Can he experience a conversation with you? We have to engage with God he, that's what he wanted to do with Jacob. Look at how Jacob responds. It says, Jacob woke up from his sleep, said, surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested uh, his head against and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel which means house of God. Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will be a place for worshiping God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. He said, if God will be with me, which God just said, I will be with you. So he's saying, if that's true, which I already know it's true, then this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to set up this little place over here where I come and worship you. I'm going to give you a tenth of everything that I get. Not because I'm, not because I have to, but because I want to. I want to engage with you. I want to do life with you, God. If you're gonna do all that for me, I wanna do life with you. We have to engage with God. Three, step three, you need to believe God. 
God could have said all that to Jacob, and Jacob was just like, eh, sounds far-fetched. I don't believe it. I'm good. I'm going to Haran. How many of us do that? God wants to give you a purpose. God gives you a word. God gives you some type of encouragement. God gives you vision. God gives you an experience. And you're like, ah. Oh. And then you leave. And you're like, beep, 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 beep. Road rage. Gone. Forgot about it. Next day, don't believe what happened last night. Because life got, life got crazy. I got busy. I remember you said that, but I don't know. I'm starting to doubt it now. I'm going to just go back to what I had going on. Jacob could have been like, yo, I saw the stairway and all this stuff. And then the next day, been like, mm, that was a lot. I think I was tripping. <laughs> but no, Jacob actually believed God. Jacob became the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. His, Jacob's sons are the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. The tribe of Judah, we hear about the lion of the tribe of Judah that Jesus was. Jacob's son, Judah. Jesus came through his lineage. God was revealing a bigger plan than Jacob could have ever imagined. He reveals to Jacob, please. He reveals to Jacob that he's about to come save the world while Jacob is just laying his head on a rock, taking a nap. Hey, I'm God. I'm the one who created you. Just want you to know I'm about to do all this crazy stuff. I'm about to come save the world. It's about to be wild. And it's all about to all come through your lineage. Your descendants are going to do this and this and that. You're not. Jacob could not have imagined it. God has a plan for your life that is bigger than you could ever imagine. But you got to engage with him. You got to encounter him. You got to engage with him. And you have to actually believe what he said. Jesus was talking to some people. They said, we want to perform God's works too. So what should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. The rest he'll do. It starts with actual belief, true belief. True belief will lead to action, but it all starts with belief. God wants your heart. Actually believe in Jesus. He came down from heaven just to save us, just to engage with us, to have a relationship with us. Actually believe that is the starting point to doing anything worthwhile. That's the work that God wants from you. Next point of the night, you, we, it starts with God starts the fire. Next, you stoke the fire or stop the fire. God will do the work of starting a fire in your life. We can be in here and we can ask him to set a fire in our souls. But what do you do when you leave here? To stoke means to keep it burning. You can either keep the fire burning in your life or you can stop the fire. I'll tell you how I endeavor to keep the fire burning in my life. I can keep the fire burning in my life by ruthlessly protecting my soul. 
Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And they are whoo, the driving force behind a lot of your actions and behind a lot of your decisions. And if you don't protect your soul, it'll put your fire out really, really, really quickly. I do not gauge what I consume based on what others do. I choose to do what keeps my fire burning. Jesus said the eye is the lamp of the soul. If it's light, your whole soul is full of light. But if it's dark, meaning if what's going into your eyes is darkness, you scroll through Netflix. Can I keep it real tonight? Thank you. There is an assault on your soul taking place in the form of entertainment. The enemy wants to darken your soul. And so he will use your boredom and be like, just watch this. It's terrible. Scroll through Netflix. It is so dark. But so many of us have calloused. We've just, eh. It's hard to find something good. So we're just like, eh. I'm gonna just watch this. I'll be all right. Doesn't affect me like it affects y'all. Mmm. Only reason I know is because I've done it and then I've been affected. And be like, it affects me. And that's why I have to ruthlessly protect my soul. It's only from falling. It's only from seeing the results. Unfortunately, many of us are hard-headed. And we don't learn from God just saying, hey, do the right thing. This is going to protect you. We don't learn from that. A lot of times, we have to hit our heads. But how many times are you going to hit your head before you decide, I'm going to just stop hitting my head? That will keep a fire burning in your life. God will light a fire, but the enemy running up on you, trying to blow it out. Trust me, them late night texts. Can I let it go? Scrolling through the Instagram. You know you shouldn't follow her. You know you shouldn't follow him. The enemy's just like, you good? Trying to blow the fire out. I'm going to be real with y'all. There's not a lot of things that I can watch. There are not a lot of things that I can listen to. Why? Because the world is the world. So if I'm looking for the world to entertain me, a world that's full of darkness, what am I going to get? Darkness. But God wants to start a fire in us that we will keep going, that we will stoke. Praying to God, engaging with God, that keeps the fire burning. Listening to the right things, Watching the right things, it keeps the fire 
burning. But you, 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 you have to ruthlessly protect it because the enemy is ruthlessly attacking it everywhere you turn. You could just be trying to chill and not do anything crazy. But the world that we live in, they'll put it on billboards, they'll put it on commercials, they will put it on anything they can because there is a dark undercurrent. There is a dark enemy who's behind this trying to pump out messaging to you. It's not a coincidence that the world is getting darker and darker and darker. The enemy's running rampant and the Bible says that he knows that his time is short. So what's he trying to do? Blow your fire out so that your time is short too. Or even if your time is long, it's ineffective. Hey. We all want to live lives of purpose. We all want to live lives that will mean something at the end of the day. We all want to affect people, but there's a way to do it. And it's not by just sitting back, chilling, doing what everybody else does. There's a way that God has told us to do this, and it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. We have to engage with God. We have to do these things to keep the fire burning, because if you keep consuming things that will feed your flesh, your flesh will consume your spirit. Somebody needs to write that down. In Romans 12, Paul says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. God wants us to give our whole selves as a sacrifice to him. Back in the day, the the imagery that Paul was referencing was they would make sacrifices and they would sacrifice an animal and they'd light it on fire. And Paul's saying in that same way, give, offer yourselves and God will light you on fire. You gotta keep it going, you have to protect it. It's treasure. We just treat God so casually sometimes. We hear and we see all these things throughout this world that claim to be important and we'll believe them before we just take a second and look around and see that there's just something bigger going on. There's something eternal happening. God wants to include you in it. But he needs all of you, not just part of you. That means your body, your mind, your soul, not just being in here doing the church thing and then going and giving your body to whoever. Treating it carelessly. Like I said, it's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple because it's temptation out here like never before. So how do you sacrifice your body or your life to God? A few things. One, I say abstaining from all sexual activity outside of marriage because it is God's will. 
All right. I like that response. But it's not easy. I've been engaged for three, well, no, I've been dating for three years, and we have abstained by the grace of God. But it's not easy. It's not easy at all. We have to be ruthless about it. It has to be, hey, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. There have to be boundaries set up, and you got to be ruthless, and sometimes it's uncomfortable. You know what made dating before Gabrielle really easy? Being serious about Jesus. Because people don't like it if they're not serious about Jesus. I just started things up real quick. I didn't engage with people and, you know, well, let me not say that I didn't do that. I tried that before. All right? You, you know, you just start talking. You start hanging out. You start connecting. Oh, man, we got a lot in common. You know, I wonder if she, I wonder if she believes in Jesus. <laughs> It'll come up. It'll come up. Next thing you know, we've been dating like six months. Still don't know. (laughs) Doesn't go down a good path. So when I finally got fed up of not finding the right person, of constantly not, of just falling back, trying to go forward, falling back, trying to go forward, when I'm finally like, all right, I'm about to be ruthless about this. All right, bet. Yo, do you read your Bible? For real. For real. For real. Oh, you do? Word, what'd you read today? Oh, that's that same verse? Word. Or a lot of times I would get the, um, oh, that's something I need to work on. I need to, I need to be reading more. Thanks for bringing that up. I need to be reading more. I'm like, all right. So I'm telling you, I try with certain people. I try, oh, yo, I'll send them a little devotional or something. Send them, hey, you know. Or they'd be like, you're right. Like, where should I start? I'd be like, yo, you should start in the book of John. That's a really good one. Yo, did you start yet? Oh, no? All right. And really what would happen is I'd then just become annoying because that's not what they want. But then when Gabrielle and I started talking, it worked. Where it's like, oh, did you, did, you know, you read your Bible? Yeah, I do. And she's like, oh, hey, um, I'm a, I just got home. Because we're long distance, by the way. She's like, oh, yo, I just got home. Um, but I'm going to have to hit you back because I'm about to just get into some devotional time and read and stuff. So I'm going to hit you up later. Those are the type of things that made me say, okay, this is good. But I had to be ruthless. And it wasn't easy because it's not easy being the annoying person where it's like, yo, you said you were a Christian. I thought we could talk about Jesus then, but apparently not. So ruthlessly protecting your soul, ruthlessly, ruthlessly setting boundaries will help keep the fire of God going in your life. What stops the fire of God in your life? Ooh. 
This one is simple, but it hurts a little bit. I would say that the only thing that keeps us from being on fire for God is our own rebellion and refusal and the commitment we make to our sin. Paul said in Romans, he said, God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Your own sinfulness, your choice to sin can just suppress the truth in your life. After a while, you won't feel guilty about it anymore. Your conscience becomes seared, is what the Bible says. It won't even feel like it's a bad thing anymore. And you just suppress the truth and snuff out the fire in your life. Because you can keep coming to church, you can keep doing the church thing, you can keep claiming Jesus, but if he does not have his fire burning within you, how is he able to do something significant in your life? How are you able to represent a Jesus who says, don't do X, Y, Z, and you're committed to doing X, Y, Z. It's not about falling here. It's not about messing up. This is about a commitment to your sin that will suppress the truth of God in your life. After that, he says, they know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. That's enough. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious Ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles or worship mere idols made to look like celebrities, made to look like your sin, made to look like all these things, that, money, all these things that we crave, that we worship above God. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Your own commitment to your sin can suppress the truth in your life and can snuff out a fire for God in you. And you can trade the truth of who God is for a lie. And that's what you do. You're just doing an exchange. God, that sounds good, but I like this over here, so I'm just going to swap that out. I'm guilty of it plenty of times in my life, but it's about coming to a knowledge of the truth and then making a decision. You cannot be in sin and on fire at the same time. You can't. You have to be ruthlessly attacking your sin. It is not, it's not this thing where everybody's asking you to be perfect. And some people have just been struggling with things so long that it feels like they can't beat it. And then they're like, well, how can I ever be on fire for God? I would contend to you that God wants to 
invade your life, consume your life, and consume your sin. And it's not always an instant, but it is a process that he is faithful to see. It says that when we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. He is faithful to do that. He will do it, but we can't commit to our sin. We have to commit to him. Romans 12.2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. He's saying that you can't even know what God wants if you're conforming to the way the world thinks. You'll become deceived and you'll think that God thinks the way that the world thinks. And that's where a lot of people are. They've gotten to this place of compromise in their mind where they think that the God who created us is limited, uh, is limited to our values and our thinking that change every few years. It's this ongoing cycle in humanity that the stuff we're struggling with now is the stuff they were struggling with 2,000 years ago and we think is new. And God sees this bird's eye view, this eternal perspective that it's this cycle that goes on and you think this is new and you think this stuff going on politically is new and you think this stuff going on in your country and your society is new. It's not new, it's an ongoing cycle because humans are predictable. But God, he never changes. And so his word is the same regardless of when society changes their minds and doesn't agree with it. His word is the same. His viewpoint is the same, and he's still faithful to start a fire in us. He's still faithful to do something meaningful and purposeful in our lives if we'll submit to him. And he's still faithful to be better than anything that we could choose for ourselves. Any perspective, any opinion that we choose to adhere to that's opposed to him, that's opposed to his will, isn't good for us or anybody else. But we have to believe that and receive that. Point three, God lights us on fire so he can light others on fire. He's chosen to make his appeal through you. Paul said that we are Christ's ambassadors. We represent him. And he is making his appeal to the world through us. But the only way we can actually be impactful, actually make a change in other people's lives, is by him starting a fire in us, we have to encounter him. We have to engage with him and we have to believe him and allow him to do this. But one of the things that I think is really, really important about this, about God lighting a fire in others, the first thing that I think that we need to understand is explained in John 6, 44. Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. And so then Paul says to Timothy, in 1 Timothy, he says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Thank God for what they're not thanking him for. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So what's being explained there is nobody can come to Jesus just because you explained the gospel well to them. 
it's not going to make sense to them. God has to open their hearts, open their minds. The Father has to draw them to him. But he says what we can do is we can pray for those people. So we can pray for the people in our lives that we want to see come to Jesus. We can pray for our family members. We can pray for the people around us, our coworkers, all these people that we see in this fallen, broken world going through crazy stuff, the people around us and ourselves. God wants us to pray for all people because he desires that we would all know him and that all people, excuse me, would be saved. This whole concept of fire, I was wondering why God was, was even talking about this with me and why he was putting this word in my spirit and why this was important for us at Fusion. And I want to talk about, as we close out tonight, I want to talk about Elijah. How many of you guys know about the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel? It's a crazy crazy story. In short, Elijah is a prophet during a time where it's not popular to follow God and where there are a lot of people worshiping a lot of other gods, doing a lot of crazy stuff. And he stands up for the living God and says, it's not going to rain here in Israel for three years. God actually honors it. It doesn't rain. So the culmination of this happens after about three years. Ahab, who's the king at the time, comes to Elijah. And in short, Elijah tells him to summon all of the prophets of these other gods, the prophets of Asherah and Baal, 400 of each. And he says this before his own people. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. So Elijah says to the prophets of of Baal, he says, get two bulls for us and let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood but not set fire to it. I'll prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it, same way they did sacrifices. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. So he sets the stage by faith. Something's gonna have to happen here. Somebody's God is gonna answer. We've been talking enough, saying who's God, trying to explain it, having debates. Who's going to answer? All the prophets of Baal, they said, what you say is good. And so they set up their sacrifice. They start dancing around, doing all their stuff, crying out to Baal, cutting themselves, letting their blood drip, all this stuff nothing. Elijah says, maybe he's asleep. Shout louder. Oh, oh, oh. Maybe, he's, maybe he's on vacation. This is in the Bible, by the way. He says this. Maybe he's on vacation. Or maybe you just need to shout louder. Wake him up. Wake him up. Oh, nothing? Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> then Elijah 
<clears throat> after nothing happens, he arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Then he said, do it again. Then he said, do it again. What did he do? He set up wood and he dug a trench under it. Then he put a bull on top of it. Then he has them dump 12 large jars of water to where the, the animal is soaked, the wood is soaked, the trench is filled with water. Then he says this to God, answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. Because he's alive. And he's not just about the talk, he's about the action. Fire from heaven fell, and it was a picture of something that he wanted to do with us. John the Baptist, who they said was the coming Elijah, they said that another Elijah was coming before the Messiah came, and that was John the Baptist. And in Matthew 3.11, John says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It was crazy as I was studying this, God revealed this picture to me, this connection between the two stories. To baptize means to dip, to submerge, to sink, completely cover. 800 years before Jesus came, God spoke to Elijah and says, I wanna do something that you won't even understand right now, but it's about to be crazy. I want you to baptize this thing by water. and then I will baptize it by fire. And then John says, I'm just baptizing you by water so that you'll repent, and that's great. But there's something that I can't do. There's something that we can't do for you as men. God says he is a consuming fire and that he will baptize you will submerge you will dip you in himself will consume you in his spirit that's not debate worthy it's not something you can make a mental assent to it just has to happen Jesus said, he, Jesus is crucified, he resurrects, comes back. The disciples are mind blown. And he's, he's having to open their minds and their eyes to even what's happening. 
And he says, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You're witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So if God wants to light a fire in you that will light a fire in others, he's commissioned you to do that. But if he wants to do that, there's something that has to happen in your life. One is you have to hear this message that there's forgiveness for our sins and we can repent, we can turn away from our sins. We can abandon our sins and we can turn to him and he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And then we make a proclamation in public by being baptized in water. And that's a public declaration of our faith and man can baptize you in water. Man can dip you in that water and you come up and you proclaim your faith in, in Jesus. But there's something that has to happen in order for you to really be impactful, for you to really walk this out and for you to really be used to light a fire in others. And he has to baptize you in his Holy Spirit. There's no doubt that God wants to start a fire in you. There's no question about that. He left heaven just to come here and he died a criminal's death. You know what I learned earlier about crucifixion? What, one of the things that I didn't know is that it was the Romans who implemented it, but they wouldn't even allow you to be crucified if you were a Roman citizen. You could have been terrible. And as a Roman citizen, they're like, oh no, you're not gonna be crucified, that's, that's too much. It was reserved for slaves, for nobodies for the worst of criminals and Jesus who committed no sin, Jesus who committed no crime, willingly was crucified and then resurrected from the dead just so that we could have relationship with him. He's done enough. There's no doubt about his love for, for you. The question is, where's your love for him? Where's your heart at for him? I want to give us an opportunity with every head bowed, every eye closed. First, I want to pray for anybody who may have not received this before or may not have understood it. And I want you to say this prayer with me if you want to receive what Jesus has done. And you want to take that first step of repenting of your sin, abandoning your sin and living for him. Repeat this with me and everybody just join us in as a family. Jesus, I thank you. I believe in you. I believe that you're God. I believe that you came to earth. You died for my sins. You resurrected and you have the power to forgive me. I receive that from you. And I establish you as the leader of my life. I submit my life to you. 
I lay my life down for you, just like you laid your life down for me. I love you. I appreciate you. I believe you have the best for me. I believe you have a purpose for me. I believe you have a plan for me. And I will walk in it for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Next, I want everybody to stand up. I want our prayer leaders to come down to the altar. I want to say a prayer for us. And I want to offer an opportunity for you to pray with people. I believe that the God who answers by fire, he is God. Does anybody else believe that? Does anybody else believe that we serve a God who's alive? A God who's not just sitting somewhere silent. A God who will respond. I believe that God wants to answer us in a way only he can. There are people down here who are ready if you are, if you have said that prayer before, if you've already committed your life to Jesus, if you've already been baptized by water and you want to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, there are going to be people down here who can lead you in that. If you just said that prayer of salvation, I encourage you, we have a welcome center right through the doors after service where you can sign up to be baptized by water. I want to pray for us. Give us an opportunity to worship God and then you can come down to the altar in the midst of that if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in our lives, Lord, that we would be able to submit ourselves to you. God, open our hearts to actually live out what we've talked about here tonight, Lord. And as we take this time to worship you and praise you, Lord, I just ask that you would answer us by fire. You would answer us by your spirit. That you would sweep over us, God, in a wildfire. It's the wind that pushes the fire to consume everything. The word spirit is the same as the word wind. Ruach means wind and spirit. Pneuma in Greek means wind and spirit. It is by your spirit that the fire will spread, God. So we thank you for it and we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen.